0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.43 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 10th of October, 2022. This is episode 628 of Bitcoin and Ex-Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke was among the winners for work on financial crisis and awarded a Nobel Prize. (laughs) Yes, yes. Ben Bernanke awarded a Nobel Prize in economics for his work on financial crises. Just let that sink in here on a Monday morning. Uh, There's a whole story about this shit from the New York Times, but, you know... Honestly, I don't care. It's just more of the clown world going around. And it's just, we've got other clo We've got more of the clown show to get into. Um, let's do this one. <clears throat> Why Celsius exposed user information and what you can do about it. This is from Bitcoin magazine. It is written by Namcio, So this is a breakdown of the whole Celsius uh, data dump. Uh, be aware Um This was not a hack, okay? It's not like somebody hacked into Celsius's database or whatever and got all this information. No, 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 no. This information was already held by Celsius and directly given, directly given over by the folks at Celsius, and none of it was redacted. Names, you name it, man. So how bad is it? Let's find out from Namcios. This week, Celsius Network published a large document containing all the account balances of its customers. The move is part of the company's ongoing restructuring process following its Chapter 11 bankruptcy filing from earlier this year. The document reflects user balances as of July 13, 2022, when the company's restructuring began and customer transactions that happened in the 90 days preceding the Chapter 11 filing per the company's frequently asked questions. Unsurprisingly, the release of such detailed customer data, which includes balances, transactions, and names, caused an uproar on Twitter. That information can not only shed light on each user's financial information, but also enable observers to analyze the blockchain and de-anonymize on-chain addresses since the transaction amounts and date are detailed in the document. Yeah, not only the date, but the time, the time of the day. Bad, this is bad, bad, bad. Putting it all together, it becomes clear that users' privacy got invaded and their security compromised. But don't fret yet. This article reviews why this happened and what can be done to mitigate some threats if you're amongst the docs users. So why did Celsius make this document public in the first place? As mentioned previously, this document is part of Celsius's restructuring process. Celsius was obliged to expose customer information as part of its restructuring process given the necessary transparency demanded by United States law. While that usually applies only to the company's assets, since Celsius held customer assets in custody, they were affected as well. According to the court document, Celsius submitted a request to cut back on the customer personally identifiable information being released through a redacting process before making it public. The lender submitted three arguments. First, Celsius argued that such a large database of consumer information was too valuable for the company to be made public. Doing so would significantly decrease the value of the customer list as an asset in any future potential asset sale, the company claimed. Second, Celsius put forward the argument that, where customers PII revealed, uh, personal identifying information, they could become targets of identity theft, blackmail, harassment, stalking, and doxing per the court document. Finally, the cryptocurrency lender argued that since many of its customers reside in different jurisdictions all over the world, disclosing their PII could expose Celsius to potential civil liability and significant financial penalties. The document notes specifically the United Kingdom General Data Protection Regulation and the European Union's GDPR. The U.S. trustee, on the other hand, argued that Celsius do not and cannot rely on any exceptions to the general rule that bankruptcy proceedings should be open, public, and transparent and have offered nothing more than vague statements supporting their request to redact the confidential information. They also argued that the PII that Celsius sought to redact is neither confidential nor commercial information, quote, The U.S. trustee argues that Celsius' own privacy policies support the argument that customers' information is not confidential because it allows customers' names and contact information to be shared with third-party business partners and therefore is not confidential per the court document. Additionally, the United States trustee contends that the information is not truly commercial in nature because the debtors are not seeking to redact all creditors' names and in identifying information and are instead requesting that identifying information be redacted for only certain creditors. But information with respect to another group will be fully disclosed because of where such creditors live." End quote. On the international laws aspect, the United States trustee also responded that, under United States bankruptcy law, bankruptcy proceedings should be public and those should prevail over the UK GDPR and the EU GDPR. Finally, and most shockingly, quote, The United States trustee contends that Celsius's argument that creditors might be subject to violence if their identities were revealed, amounts to anecdotal evidence, which does not rise to the level of evidence necessary to overcome the presumption for open and public bankruptcy, end quote. In response, Celsius, Celsius published another motion seeking to implement a complete anonymization process to not reveal detailed user information. That went beyond the initial motion submitted, which requested the ability to reject home and email addresses of U.S. customers and names, home address and email addresses of U.K. and E.U. customers as well. The court ruled against the majority of Celsius's request. It dismissed the differentiation between U.K. and E.U. and U.S. customers based on the arguments above and allowed the company to only redact home and email addresses. It denied the anonymization motion completely. Ugh. God. So here's what docs users can do. There are many options one can take if they find themselves exposed in the Celsius documents, but none of them will be able to erase the past. The closer one can get to that in the event that the release of those data points has the potential to tangibly harm the person, they can legally change names as an extreme option of last resort one could also move to a different address, but since the court authorized Celsius to redact home addresses, that might not be such a big issue to try to mitigate. And it's worth noting, however, that unredacted versions of the filing are accessible to the United States trustee and counsel of the committee and or counsel to the committee and that any party of interest that requests it and is granted access, the case for moving homes can still be made. Users can also take measures to mitigate some of the threats on the digital front when it comes to the on-chain addresses that observers can de-anonymize by looking at the blockchain and the information disclosed in the document good privacy focused tools can come to the rescue. The simpler alternative is to coinjoin funds. Even though that won't erase the user's transaction history if done correctly, it will enable the user to enjoy good forward looking privacy. This means that spending from that point on won't be clearly spotted as a transaction coming from the doxed user. Similar to how the bank knows when you withdraw cash at an ATM but can't get detailed information on what you spend it on afterwards. The user can embark on other privacy tools like payjoins that also break heuristics that bad actors use to infer information from on-chain data. But perhaps the most important thing that users can do is to take the low-time preference approach and avoid using centralized services that harvest user data. Financial service companies worldwide, in cryptocurrency and beyond, need to comply with know-your-customer and anti-money laundering rules. Though such laws are likely well intentioned, their effectiveness is disputed and the downsides are clear, as in this Celsius case. In the information age, data is the most valuable commodity, and as such, customers that collect vast amounts of data become honeypots, effectively becoming targets of cyber attacks as hackers and others seek to monetize that information. While world governments don't realize this gigantic issue in the 21st century, users are incentivized to do what they can to take ownership of their data and claim back their privacy. As the status quo pushes people to share as much about their lives as possible, the right to privacy should not be seen as something law-abiding citizens don't need, but rather as the very right that enables all the other ones. So there's the lowdown on on why this information was released. They had to, not I'm I'm I mean honestly I'm, I'm not on Celsius's side here, but this is U.S. law. This is the way it is, and apparently U.S. law supersedes all the other laws in the world. And general, I think Celsius probably will get sued in EU and UK courts, and the U.S. State Department and Department of Justice are they are not going to give a shit. They're there, there's going to be no protection for Celsius there, guarantee it. But somebody has taken that information, okay, and has created a new tool. They've because that that shit was publicly released, okay. Now I don't know. It, it wasn't clear if the original version that was publicly released uh, had the home addresses redacted. I think it did. I, I think that they wouldn't have released it to the public had uh, before all the motions of reconsideration uh, to redact certain elements were were heard and agreed upon. So I'm pretty sure that that didn't happen. But everything else was released and somebody built a fucking database. Yeah, Z Wang tells us more about it from decrypt.co. New tool shows just how much users lost in Celsius bankruptcy. Holy moly, wrote one user. A new tool now lets anyone see just how much money some users have lost after the troubled crypto lender filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in July. It's easy to check whether someone has made it onto the questionable leaderboard of biggest losers from the Celsius debacle by simply typing their name into a convenient search bar. Only those who've lost more than $12 million have made it into the top 10. The tool presumably relies on the customer data revealed by Celsius in a court filing last week. The document showed customers' names, crypto wallet IDs, transaction types, and amounts, and the types and quantities of tokens held, among other information. Hmm. Celsius has faced significant backlash following the move. Nick Hansen, CEO of Bitcoin miner Luxor, tweeted, quote, this Celsius leak may go down as one of the greatest breaches of customer information ever. Henry DeValence, the founder of web three startup Penumbra labs added that quote, anyone can now dox all the on-chain activity and addresses of any named Celsius user by matching dates and amounts to transaction data. Celsius has yet to explain why it revealed this level of information or whether it was required by the court. Yeah, they did. They, they did. We, we already heard about that. So this is a, this one was written a little bit earlier. Um, celsius fell into chapter 11 bankruptcy back in july following a 1.2 billion dollar hole in its balance sheet ftx founder and ceo sam bakeman fried has been touted as the likely buyer of the crypto lenders assets it also appears that celsius's executives made out just fine from the company's crash before freezing user accounts and filing for bankruptcy ceo alex mashinsky reportedly withdrew 10 million dollars from the company he later, he later said $8 million of it was needed to pay for his state and federal taxes. Chief strategy officer and co-founder Daniel Leon, meanwhile, withdrew $7 million from the platform uh, before it shut down, according to the latest court filing. So there you go. Uh, yeah, it's a tool. You can type in anybody's name. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. We don't know much about who made the tool. I would highly recommend advising against using that tool on yourself if you are in fact one of the Celsius users to find out if you've, if you're on that list, because you are, if you actually use Celsius in any way, shape, or form, you're on the list. So you don't need to go do it, but here's the rub. How many people are named David Bennett in the world? Because apparently David Bennett uses Celsius, I know. I know what you're screaming. Oh my God, you doxxed yourself. No, I didn't. You know how many David Bennett's there are? I don't own any, I don't, I'd never use Celsius. I've never used Celsius before once. I've laughed about it a lot. I've pointed at him and laughed. I've told you to stay as far freaking away from these cats as you possibly can. But nonetheless, David Bennett lost money on Celsius. And I So, yes, I used the tool. I wanted to find out. Because I know for a fact, 100% balls to bones, that I've never engaged in any services or goods or whatever Celsius has to offer. And yet, there's my name. This can cause a lot of problems. But most notably, it's reputational problems in the Bitcoin space. Because let's face it right now, it is really salty out there. This is the time of the bear market where bitcoiners start swiping at each other and it's going full force. So I'm not even going to say names, but there are certain individuals and, and you know people on Bitcoin, Twitter that are, say, that are typing in other bitcoiners' names and saying, "Look, this guy's not a real Bitcoiner. He's using Celsius." and he, and he got hosed. Uh, are you sure that that's the only person on the planet Earth with that name? Let me, let me give you an example. When I lived in Midland and I was growing up, I had a buddy and he had a brother and I'd go over to their apartment and we, you know, smoke pot and watch, you know, Star Trek or do whatever it is that we were doing. And his brother's name was David Bennett, exact same spelling, exact same spelling. We used to joke about it all the time. So, uh, where's David? I don't know which one, you know, that kind of shit, Right. I am not the only David Bennett that exists on this planet, and yet, if you go out and you put my name, David Bennett, into the Celsius search, the the what the hell else? I can't remember the name of it. Hold on for a sec. Uh, it's uh, well, so hold on, Celsius Network Networth Celsius Networth all one word dot com. You can just type in like some, some dude's name or some chick's name. And, uh, if that, that same name was on that roster, it doesn't have to be the same person. It's the same name. You see what I'm saying here? This tool is, was a, this was a, this was nobody should have built this. Nobody should build these things. If you're out there and you're trying to figure out something to build, make sure that what you're building isn't going to cause reputational harm or the, you know, the possibility to allow the threat of physical violence to come into play after you release it. It's that old adage. Just because you can do a thing, it does not necessarily follow that you must do that thing. Stop and think about what it is that you're building. Whoever built this is an asshole. I mean, it's bad enough. It's bad enough that you can just go get the document itself, but somebody had to make it... Easy to put in somebody's name and find out if they are a Celsius user, even though there's no way that you can prove it's the exact same person. It's just bizarre, but better fish to fry. Coming up, Bitcoin mining service provider Luxor launches hash price OTC derivative. I hate derivatives. Let's see if I hate this one too. Sean Amick from Bitcoin Magazine. Luxor Technologies, a Bitcoin mining service provider has launched the Luxor hash price ndf an over the counter otc bitcoin mining derivative per a release sent to bitcoin magazine hash price follows revenue earned by mining bitcoin based on the hash rate capacity on a given time frame the non deliverable forward or ndf contract will follow the hash price of Bitcoin mining companies, enabling investors and institutions to gain indirect access to the mining industry. I hate it already. Quote, these products are a major step in the Luxor roadmap and something we have analyzed deeply since the customer's company's genesis. Hash price derivatives are the uh apotheosis of our vision of hash rate as an asset class something we've been pioneering since we introduced hash price with the launch of hash rate index back in 2020 says nick hansen ceo and co-founder of luxor the ndf will settle in usd by default of course but it will be given it will give participants the opportunity to choose btc as an alternative furthermore luxor will facilitate orders manage counterparty risk and settle the payments using its hash rate index as the basis for determining hash rate value. Sellers of the NDF will choose one of three options with differing variables for contract terms. Locked in hash price, daily hash rate sold or duration of contract, Contracts will be flexible and used to meet the needs of counterparties. Luxor's NDF is the first of many derivatives based on hash rate the company plans to release throughout the coming year. again, as per the release. So there you go. I don't like it. I don't like derivatives. I mean it just they honestly the the whole notion that the market is seeking to to uh, price in x i I don't see how you have to have a derivative that allows indirect access to said X to set prices in the market. Why don't you just let people buy X because they want it, hold X because they wanted it again, and use X, and that determines the price. And derivatives have gotten us into a lot of trouble in legacy financial markets. I don't think I need to tell you examples. Why why do we want this here? I don't want this here. This is just, this just is, it's bad, it's bad, 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 bad. Okay, well, let's move on. Uh, there's a foul smell in the air, but it's actually good. In remote Northeast Ireland, this Bitcoin miner is turning biogas into sats. John Quigley writes this one for Bitcoin Magazine again. For years, a growing divide has been forming between Bitcoin miners and BTC-concerned communities worldwide. A line has been drawn not only in the hash rate humming mining facilities around the globe, but also in the social media arenas where anyone with two cents to share on Bitcoin advocates for one side or the other. On the one hand, there has been a loud push toward renewables that extends far beyond the Bitcoin mining industry and is a pertinent issue in energy intensive industries worldwide. However, Bitcoin miners have been firmly placed in the crosshairs of this push given the large amounts of energy that are consumed to power the globally distributed mining network that is responsible for ensuring that blocks are steadily added on the growing Bitcoin ledger at a rate of roughly 10 minutes per block. Many Bitcoin miners have gotten on board with this transition and have explored making use of hydroelectric, wind, and solar power. On the other hand, a small share of miners have adhered to and even advocated for fossil fuels, pointing out the intermittency issues that most renewable power sources pose to mining operations and the carbon-intensive manufacturing process and questionable longevity associated with these renewable power sources. In the upper right-hand corner of Ireland lies a small mining operation that may satisfy the values of both communities. On a picturesque farm in the country of Archmach, 35 latest generation mining machines are being powered off-grid by a largely unknown power source. These machines are being powered from the excess energy, which this power source cannot sell to the grid, making the cost associated with the power virtually zero. On top of this, the power source is entirely self-sustaining and only requires a little on-site labor to keep it operating smoothly, meaning that the machines can benefit from 100% uptime, an important attribute that wind, solar, and oftentimes hydroelectric fail to offer. Importantly, this power source is entirely powered by organic waste, not only producing clean energy, but turning waste products into fuel that can be sold to the grid or power on-site Bitcoin mines. This energy source may be the consistent and clean source of energy the Bitcoin miners have been searching for, anaerobic digesters. And to date, they remain largely untapped as a power source for Bitcoin miners. Mark Morton, a young cork-based professional, whose enthusiasm for Bitcoin exudes in his every word, was one of the main drivers behind the anaerobic digester-powered mining operation in (laughs) a Morton is one of the key decision makers at Schilling Mining, one of Ireland's pioneering Bitcoin and mining-focused companies. His work to educate the Irish community on Bitcoin and mining has led him to operate a small office-based mining operation, host regular in-person meetups, and manage one of Ireland's largest online community groups for Bitcoiners where matters such as political developments, market movements, and general industry trends are discussed. Morton's work paid off when the owner of the farm in Archmah paid him to visit paid him a visit to learn more about Bitcoin mining to potentially make use of the excess energy his anaerobic digester was producing at his plant. A couple of meetings later, and Morton was sourcing the mining machines and infrastructure set up to turn this idea into a reality. As it stands, the mining operation is powering 35 uh, latest generation mining machines with the capacity for another 33. That's not... Nothing. That's nothing to sneeze at, guys. At the time of writing, the, diffi- the difficulty conditions means that such an operation generates roughly 0.42 BTC a month, an $8,000, well, $8,133 monthly income at current prices. The anaerobic digester-powered mining operation is not just likely to be the first of its kind in Ireland. It may be the only such operation in the world. No, it's actually not. There's another one, but whatever. Anaerobic digestion is the process of utilizing the internal energy in waste matter to produce biogas, a fuel source which is 40 to 50 percent methane and 30 to 40 percent CO2 on average. Through the use of an engine, this process can create on site energy, which can also be connected and sold to the grid with the proper. Proper infrastructure. In contrast to renewable power sources such as wind and solar, anaerobic digestion provides 100% uptime if it is fed a constant supply of waste. This makes it an attractive supply load for grids, which are working toward meeting demands for a higher share of renewable energy sources. As a result, some governments have incentivized the deployment of these generators. For instance, the United Kingdom government established a £10 million fund to assist in the development of such infrastructure. Incentives in the UK led to a proliferation in anaerobic digesters in Northern Ireland, a small segment of the country which is under UK jurisdiction. Morton noted that in many cases, however, grid connections have failed to materialize, leaving farmers who invested heavily in such schemes with, you guessed it, excess energy and a lack of revenue streams to pay off the costly infrastructure. Investments in anaerobic digesters can range upward from 200,000 pounds all the way to 1 million pounds, depending on the energy capacity with expected ROI timeframes of four to seven years. Jeez. However, such ROI figures depend on reliable grid connections, and the cost can radically increase when it comes to larger scale projects with estimates for costs going up to $5 million dollars. Morton has estimated the ROIs for such an investment in on-site mining facilities for anaerobic digester owners under a wide variety of price and difficulty conditions. He noted that under most conditions, the payback period is roughly two years, after which the owner of the facility would be generating pure profit, which would be accelerating the ROI of the anaerobic digester. Under favorable conditions, Morton estimates that the payback period could be as short as 10 months for the on-site mining facility. The genius of shilling mining is in utilizing Bitcoin mining infrastructure to fill the gap between the energy produced by these anaerobic digesters and the lack of a demand-side outlet such as an on-site demand load or grid connection. Bitcoin mining fills that role of an on-site demand load and monetizes the excess energy by powering the fundamental role of validating, bundling, and appending transactions to the Bitcoin blockchain. Morton and Schilling Mining initially researched container options to both house and connect the rigs to the power source but determined that the best solution was to work with the right professionals to build their own custom solution. The result was a Power Vault 68, a container solution that houses up to 68 mining machines and is carefully designed for airflow, electricity infrastructure, and to meet fire hazard standards. With over 20,000 anaerobic digesters operating worldwide and roughly 1,000 new plants being deployed each year, the natural question that emerges is how much scope there is for partnerships between the owners of such infrastructure and those with expertise on the Bitcoin end. The efforts of Morton and Schilling Mining have certainly alleviated the pain points of one owner of this costly infrastructure, but Morton doesn't see it stopping there. Shilling Mining has ambitions for more sites operating by the end of the year and aims to educate anaerobic digester owners across the continent on the potential for monetizing their excess energy with on-site Bitcoin mining facilities. This model is not new. For years, North American Bitcoin professionals have been partnering with and assisting oil and gas producers to help them tap into their excess energy production, but now it looks like a relatively new Bitcoin-focused company has discovered Europe's equivalent, Throughout Europe, there may be vast amounts of untapped clean energy with 100% uptime that are ideally positioned to be monetized through on-site Bitcoin mining machines. Thanks to shilling mining and a forward-looking farm operator in the Northwest of Ireland, there is now a successful proof of concept operating in a remote farmland in Ireland, which highlights the potential for further partnerships between the owners of anaerobic digesters and Bitcoin professionals in the years to come. So that's the end of the article by John Quigley. Now, we keep coming into this, this, this fascinating overlap between Bitcoiners and regenerative ag, ranchers, stuff like that. And I, I, after reading this, there was a couple of sentences in there uh, talking about remote farms. We're always looking to decentralize further. And yet there's several OG Bitcoiners that are talking about how it's really good when you have just a handful of miners in a container sitting on an oil pad somewhere, sucking off the natural gas emissions that that they can't pipe anywhere else and running Bitcoin miners, because not only does it take care of the waste gas and it solves all kinds of problems on that end, it also solves a, ma- a major problem on another end, and that's the centralization of mining. You, you don't want that shit to happen, right? So I think that the reason that, you know, ranchers can ranch pill Bitcoiners just as effectively as Bitcoiners can orange pill ranchers is because there's we hold the same ideal of being out there remote their life. Generally speaking, you know, unless you're a cattle or a, a confined animal feeding operation, you understand at a level that even the rancher himself or herself might not get that they require decentralization. I think that's why they get Bitcoin. Even if they don't think they get Bitcoin, they get it. They really do, and I think this is the exact reason why. So, biodigestion is is amazing. And on like a dairy operation, you'll see them all. There, that's a main tenant in dairy operations. Is there's generally speaking, there used to be just you know, there's always a, what's called the lagoon, and that's where all the cow poop goes. And it's kind of a, it's a nasty thing. It's actually, when you have cow poop that much cow poop concentrated that much, you can can consider it to be toxic waste just because of the concentration, right? Well, you cap those and turn them into a biodigester. And all of a sudden, everything gets better. You start making methane, you start mining Bitcoin, the anaerobic activity, Composts, the cow manure, and then on after after that whole thing is done, w- there's no pathogens left because they got heated up in the process and basically killed. So it's not that there's no pathogens less left. There's a lot less, and it makes it much, much easier to handle pulling that out of the out of the biodigester and spreading it around without worrying about spreading around a whole bunch of pathogens. So it solves many problems at once. Just saying, let's run the numbers. CNBC Futures and Commodities, West Texas Intermediate, Point Point. Five, 1% to the downside, $92.17. Brenton North Sea, likewise down, uh, but uh, just flipped over. Three quarters of a point, $97.18. Natural gas is down a full 3% to $6.54 per, per 1,000 cubic feet. Gasoline down 2.65% to $2.66 a gallon. All the shiny metal rocks having lots more difficulty than that today. Gold down 2%. It is now back under $1,700 to $1,674.40. Silver's down a full 3.5% under its $20 price. Uh, uh, So it's $19.54. Platinum is down 2.5%. Copper's the only winner today, up a little bit over 1%. Palladium is down 1.68%. Agricultural futures are fully mixed, and check this shit out. Wheat soaring 6.67%. Whoa, that's not good for food costs. Uh, 0.51% to the upside for soybeans. Corn uh, is also, God, it's up 2%, and cotton is up 4.75%. Yeah, the chickens of all the failed and non-started cotton fields are coming home to roost, I guess. Uh, Dow is down a point. S&P down 1.4%. NASDAQ cratering just above two points to the downside. S&P mini is down 0.88%. So there you go. Bitcoin having its troubles too. $19,155.48. 1.04 million BTC sent in the last 24 hours with an average transaction value of 4.5 BTC and a very low median transaction value of 0.02 BTC. And that's under 400 to $377. And even with a massive difficulty adjustment adjustment we're at nine minutes and 14 seconds in block time 0.04 btc taken in fees on a per block basis uh nine let's see uh sorry i am sorry (laughs) i totally blew that one 7.31 btc taken in fees in the last 24 hours and the hash rate after a 8.97% 8.97% drop according to bitinfo charts. We're still at 250.63 exahashes per second. The shitcoin indicator is doge coming in at exactly 6 United States pennies. There are 2986 transactions waiting on 3 blocks to clear. We have a 368 Billion dollar market cap that's 3.33 percent of gold's market cap. You can get 11.5 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one bitcoin, of which there are 19,175,160.92 of 4,970.74. Those are in the Lightning Network. At $95.4 million valuation, running over 17,244 nodes, sporting 84,836 total payment channels. Tor capacity is at 69.1%. So 69.1% of all the Lightning Network is running over Tor nodes. Uh, Yeah, that's going to do it. Now, a note on that. uh, If you noticed, I don't know if you've noticed yet, but LND, LND their shit broke, right? Their shit broke. So anybody that was running an LND node noticed that their Lightning node was not operational for several hours yesterday. I noticed it at 5.30 uh, my time, which is Pacific Daylight, and it looked like it had been already going on, an ongoing problem for an hour before that. And almost immediately, LND released a, a patch for it, it's like, I think it's 0.15.2. If your node is looking like it's weird, then you're probably running LND and you need to upgrade your node software for LND to 0.15.2. Do it as fast as you can, if you can. My node, I had to wait until the guys over at my node uh, did an, emer- well, not, a, I don't want to say emergency, but they, like I looked last night and they still didn't have uh, an upgrade for it. To uh 15.2 on LND. They did this morning. I upgraded my 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 node and everything is fine. Okay. It's lightning networks back for me. Uh, you know, I had have, haven't lost any channels. So all that, you know, breathing a sigh of relief on that one. But this is the first failure that I've seen in LND since I've been using it. Um <clears throat> apparently it has something to do with a very large on-chain transaction i do not have the details hopefully somebody like uh, sean amick uh, or somebody will write something up tomorrow uh, and we can figure out more about what the hell happened that's going to do it for vitals Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Uh let's do this one from Joseph Hall. Uh, not a minor adjustment. Bitcoin mining difficulty soars 13.5% to a new all-time high. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the it's a big mining adjustment. Actually, I think this is the biggest spike in 14 months. In, in fact, it's a new all-time high for Bitcoin. Uh, except it's in mining difficulty hot on the heels of the bitcoin hash rate hitting new highs the difficulty adjustment or the complexity that miners must overcome to solve valid blocks has increased 13.5 percent despite pressure from falling prices in 2022 the difficulty adjustment continues its steady march upward from the lows of august 2021 it hit an all-time high of $35.61 trillion on October the 10th, following a period in which six blocks were solved in rapid succession. For Mark Morton, CEO of Skilling Data Mining, a Bitcoin mining company based in Ireland, quote, the next difficulty adjustment suggests that miners are still finding sufficient profit margins to turn on new machines and are likely capitalizing on plummeting machine prices. Morton also mentioned that the soaring difficulty and hash rate are very positive for the security of the Bitcoin network. We are witnessing network security skyrocket, even despite the drawdown in Bitcoin price. The difficulty adjustment occurs roughly every two weeks, or 2016 blocks. Given that blocks have been solved on average slightly less than the target of 10 minutes, the difficulty adjustment increased. According to Brains, a Bitcoin mining tool company, the average time was just shy of nine minutes over the most recent 2016 blocks known as an epoch. In the Bitcoin white paper, Satoshi Nakamoto explains that, quote, if they're generated too fast, the difficulty increases. Here's the full statement, quote, to compensate for increasing hardware speed and varying interest in running nodes over time, the proof of work difficulty is determined by a moving average target, an average number of blocks per hour. Okay. Morton told Cointelegraph that the plummeting price combined with soaring difficulty could challenge miners who mismanaged their finances during the 2021 bull market. Indeed. Threats of miner capitulation loomed during the 2022 bear market, while some miners were forced to sell some of their holdings over the summer. Morton explained, quote, miners that assumed we would have an up-only market and purchase machines at elevated prices will certainly be feeling the pinch. Some Bitcoin miners have begun looking at ways to mitigate their costs, such as using waste heat to sustain steady temperatures and workspaces. In a nod to the increasing, increasingly creative ways in which miners are finding ways to channel untapped energy sources and utilize miner waste heat, Morton concluded that, quote, The competition between miners to find innovative and strategic energy sources bodes well for the future of the network as direct dependence on Bitcoin price diminishes. Cointelegraph shot a Bitcoin mining documentary in partnership with digital skilling uh, mining in September that investigates the use of organic farm waste to mine BTC. The short film turning CowPat into digital gold will air on Cointelegraph's YouTube channel in 2022. So that's that same guy that was doing the biodigestion in Ireland, this uh, Morton guy. Um, But yes, see, this is, this is the thing. This is one of the, This is one of the reasons why I think I was so, why I was so attracted to Bitcoin is that it, it demonstrates all the hallmarks of permaculture. One system's waste output, if, if you're not creative, just becomes a toxic waste dump, like, like cow poop, right? However, if it's then, if you can take that waste output and turn it into a feedstock input of another system, i.e. biodigestion, then you're in permaculture. You're thinking in a permaculture way. And the heat from the engine that is driving the AC generators to power the miners, that produces a lot of heat, right? So ducting that heat into greenhouses, say, And like, let's say that you have no interest in running a greenhouse. You're a dairy farmer. You got no interest in it. However, somebody does, and they want to, they will take, they will, they will expend the capital to build greenhouses on that farmer's land, which they lease and then have basically free heat in the wintertime. Right? See how this starts to all fit together. Now it's not, It's not all easy peasy or anything like that. I mean, serious problems arise if you don't think this shit through. Like, what do you do with the waste in the summertime? Especially in really hot areas. You know, I don't need to heat a greenhouse in Midland, Texas, in the middle of West Texas, in the middle of July. It's hot enough already. I'm actually trying to figure out ways to cool the fucker off. That's what I'm trying to do. But the creative juices start to flow when you start having these Uh, barriers. Like if I, if I'm given a clean sheet of paper and somebody says, draw something, I am much less likely to come up with something cool than if somebody gives me a piece of paper that already has some drawings on it and says, you can't draw into those spaces. Then all of a sudden I have to, I'm forced to be more creative and I've got to draw, but I have to not be able to, to overstep the barriers of what was already on the paper. Permaculture is a lot like that right and and it's demonstrating itself as a design science you know cuz that's what it is in bitcoin in the some of the most interesting ways and this biodigestion uh capturing heat repurposing heat there's so much that can be done with this and if the more that's done on that side means you can it's possible not not probable probably but possible for Bitcoin mining to completely decouple itself from the price. Now, wouldn't that be, shit be interesting? Yet yeah, You didn't have to depend on the Bitcoin price to continue having an incentive to mine Bitcoin because you can do so much by capturing waste streams, turning it into energy, and then capturing the waste heat energy on the outside of that and using it to do something completely different. You've got three separate systems attached and each one's waste is another one's feedstock. I think that this is the way to go, honestly, but Dapper Labs, Dapper Labs, y'all. This is why centralization sucks. Although I'm not a fan of Russia, but Dapper Labs has suspended Russian accounts after the new EU sanctions. I don't know how many sanctions we can, that the EU and the United States can put on Russia. I don't know how many, I don't know how many tools we got left, but apparently... EU got mad at Russia again, and now Dapper Labs has to suspend Russian accounts. The firm outlined that as its payment processing and store value service partner is subject to EU regulations, Dapper has been directed to impose the restrictions on these accounts under EU law. Brian Quarby, Cointelegraph, tell us more. Flow blockchain developer Dapper Labs has suspended Russian accounts after the European Union imposed new sanctions. Announced on October the 6th, the latest set of EU sanctions on Russia stipulates a full ban on the provision of crypto asset asset wallets, accounts, and custody services, regardless of the total value of the assets. Following the sanction announcement, Dapper stated that accounts with connections to Russia will no longer be able to sell, purchase, or gift non-fungible tokens, withdraw funds from their accounts, or add to their balances, stating, quote, It is now prohibited to provide crypto asset wallet account or custody services of any value to accounts with connections to Russia, irrespective of the amount of the wallet. The firm outlined that as its uh, payment processing and stored value service partner is subject to EU regulations, they got to fall in line. However, Dapper has not closed the accounts. Users impacted by these actions can continue to access and view their NFTs. Additionally, regardless of this new regulation, any NFT previously purchased by an impacted user continues to belong to that user the firm stated. So <laughs> there you go. See, this is, this is why I Bitcoin. And this is why I do not use custodial services. Except, well, I do actually, that's a lie. I use Cash App. I do use Strike. But when it comes down to it, I get those funds when I, and I just use that as, as a way to uh, get rid of some of my fiat, buy, use it to buy real money with. And then after a while there, it makes sense to pull it all off and put it into cold storage is, which is what I usually do. So I'm not holding my shit until like a few hundred bucks. Yeah, I'm good with that. I really am. But after it gets to, there's a point at which that the number, you know, a fiat value that my Bitcoin holdings has on Cash App, eh, I get a little nervous. And when I get a little nervous, I just put it in cold storage and I'm not nervous anymore. So there you go. But not so with what, I mean, what Ethereum is becoming and NFTs and all these centralized lenders, if you haven't figured it out yet, stay away from all of it. It all ends up bad. I mean, right now you could be in a country in Eastern Europe that has nothing at all to do with this shit, with Russia and Ukraine. And all of a sudden, one day your government gets weird, decides to throw in with Russia. And all of a sudden your stupid ass board ape monkey or whatever they're called is effectively frozen. I'm just stay away from it. And all you have to do is Bitcoin. All you have to do is develop a low time preference. That's, that's all, all you have to do. Now, crypto investment firm Blockwater Technologies has defaulted on their DeFi loan. This is a Christian Sandor from Coindesk. South Korean blockchain investment firm Blockwater Technologies defaulted on a loan from TruFi, a decentralized lending protocol. TruFi said in a statement on Sunday. According to the statement, TrueFi issued a notice of default to Blockwater on October the 6th after it failed to make a payment on a $3.4 million loan in Binance USD stablecoin. BlockWater's default seems to be the latest example of the crypto industry's insolvency crisis. This year's dramatic drawdown of crypto markets exacerbated by the implosion of the Terra blockchain has led to the bankruptcy of multiple high-profile crypto firms such as Hedge Fund, Three Arrows Capital, Crypto Lender Celsius Network, Digital Asset Broker Voyager Digital, and Crypto Mining Data Center Operator Compute North. Blockwater's default on its debt came after TruFi and Blockwater restructured the loan and extended the payment period in August. Blockwater managed to repay $654,000 of its outstanding debt after the restructuring efforts, but eventually missed payment. The remaining debt amounts to almost $3 million. TruFi determined that a potential court-supervised administrative proceeding would lead to a better outcome for stakeholders given the complexity around the sudden insolvency according to the lending protocol statement. Quote, while we always prefer to pursue an out-of-court solution with distressed borrowers, in some instances, an administrative proceeding is the best option in preserving value for stakeholders. Roshan Daria, head of lending at Archblock, which manages relationships between lenders and borrowers on the TrueFi Protocol told CoinDesk, TrueFi remained in active discussion with Blockwater and said that Blockwater's insolvency does not affect the protocol's other lending pools. Per the statement, yeah, don't don't take out a loan in this. In you no, just don't. I may if you have to. I get it. I don't know what else to tell you though. Nobody knows how this shit is going to shake out. And with the reason that I'm reading you this story is to make it painfully clear. That this shit with Terra, the whole Terra ecosystem is not over. It's not over. Okay, I, I'm not trying to be a bear. I'm just stating facts. We don't know the extent of the contagion. I hope it's mostly done, but I don't. I don't. I. I. I don't think it's. I mean, I hope it's mostly done, but it shit ain't over. All right. Do not start. Thinking that everything is going to be okay because two things one, we don't know the extent of the contagion, and two, when this shit turns around, people are going to start making the exact same dumbass mistakes that they made in 2021. And if you're going to do that, then you're going to get burned on the other side of that hill. So please don't do it. Please just stay calm, low time preference, buy Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin like Paul Tudor Jones used to do, but now he's tamping down Bitcoin's bullishness. So let's see what this guy has turned around and said. This is Omkar Godbold writing for CoinDesk. Quote, I still have a minor allocation to Bitcoin said Paul Tudor Jones during a CNBC appearance on Monday morning. It wasn't exactly a rousing endorsement of the crypto, given Jones's major bullishness two years ago. At the time, in mid-2020, the hedge fund giant said he had allocated 1% to 2% of his multi-billion dollar portfolio to Bitcoin. He later said he could see allocating as much as 5% of his assets to Bitcoin if the United States Federal Reserve continued on its path of monetary debasement. His remarks at the time helped pump crypto prices, which were already in a bull market, even higher. His milk toast remarks on digital assets today were hardly noticed, with the price of Bitcoin remaining mired in the low $19,000 area. In 2020, of course, the Fed was in the midst of any number of stimulus schemes aimed at keeping the economy and financial system afloat alongside the COVID 19 lockdowns. Today, the United States Central Bank is the in the exact opposite mode as it rapidly tightens monetary policy to fight inflation that it helped create. Quote, inflation is a bit like toothpaste. Once you get it out of the tube, you can't put it back in he said of the fed that the fed is furiously tr- furiously trying to wash that taste out of its mouth if we go into recession that has really negative consequences for a variety of assets in quote while jones said he uh, continues to believe bitcoin will have value he concluded that cash is the place to be as long as the fed can be counted on to follow through on its pledge to bring inflation back to the two percent target so legacy financial guy <clears throat> Yes. Is it, and this is a guy that I'm not saying that you should listen to him and do exactly what he's telling you to do as much as Paul Tudor Jones is, he's pretty good, you know, and cash, the United States, he's talking about not any cash. He's talking about USD because it's so painfully strong at this point that yes, I can see why legacy finance guys are going to the dollar. I, I get it. That shit's not going to last. It's not going to last because eventually, you know, what uh, people say that uh, USD is the least shittiest fiat out there and that all the other fiat currencies are going to collapse into the United States dollar and the, the United States dollar will be the very last fiat currency to go. Hell, I don't even think the US dollar will actually die and disappear. I think it'll still be hanging on years and years and years into the future from now. But, But this rush to cash right now is not going to last. It's cyclical like everything else. You got to have your ear to the ground. And I don't even really know what I'm listening for, except to say this. I get the feeling that we haven't seen the peak of the strength of the United States dollar yet. Because Blackstone and BlackRock and all these guys that went out and bought like single family homes and a whole bunch of real estate to store their wealth in, They have yet to start unwinding their positions. If they unwind their positions, you're going to see a strength of a dollar that is unprecedented. It's just, it's going to be, I don't even know what the outcome of that shit is, except nobody's going to want to buy United States exports because it will cost too damn much. And that will be goods, commodities, and services. So we, what we might end up seeing is that we might end up eating our own beef because we export almost all the beef that we raise in the United States to other countries. That may come to an end, and we may actually not have to import beef, which is just the stupidest thing in the world. I'm like, you're just burning gas for no reason at that point. Be that as it may, just, that's just shit to watch out for. Now, India... They will soon test their E-Rupee digital currency, C- CBDCs in the news by Andre Bagansky, Decrypt.co. The Reserve Bank of India has proposed a phased pilot of its version of a central bank digital currency, according to a paper released on Friday. In what was published as a concept note, India's central bank outlined its vision for a digital version of the rupee, referred to as the E-Rupee. It also explained its rationale for implementing a CBDC and how it would be tested in distinct phases. Uh, Central banks across the globe are showing an increased interest in CBDCs as an alternative to paper money in countries from Australia to the US. The RBI paper cited China and 16 other countries that are currently piloting their own version of a CBDC as a reason for moving forward uh, with one now. Quote, currently we are at the forefront of a watershed moment in the evolution of currency that will decisively change the very nature of money and its functions, the paper states. CBDCs are being seen as a promising invention and as the next step in the evolutionary progression of sovereign currency, end quote. The RBI plans on rolling out the E rupee in limited pilot launches uh, with the intent of implementing it as an additional form of currency issued alongside paper money. Yes, yeah, so they don't freak everybody out. The paper states the e rupee will also serve as an alternative to cryptocurrencies. The unfettered use of cryptocurrencies poses a risk to the financial and macroeconomic stability of India, the central bank said, which diminishes the government's ability to determine and regulate monetary policy, furthering the need for a CBDC. See, y'all can't do that shit now. It's just going to make it worse. CBDCs will provide the public with the benefits of virtual currencies while ensuring consumer protection by avoiding the damaging social and economic consequences of private virtual currencies. The central bank is considering the release of two versions, one that would be used by people for making retail payments and another one that would be used for the settlement of transfers between banks and wholesale transactions. Ultimately, a CBDC could make payments more efficient, robust, and trusted, according to the RBI. While the RBI recognized it may be desirable for small transactions to be as anonymous as using cash, it said providing privacy would be a challenge. Quote, The potential for an anonymous digital currency to facilitate a shadow economy and illegal transactions makes it highly unlikely that any CBDC would be designed to fully match the levels of anonymity and privacy currently available with physical cash, the bank noted. The Indian government first announced its plans to launch a CBDC in February, stating the technology would deliver a substantial boost to the country's economy. India is likely feeling the pressure of China's CBDC rollout, which is steadily expanding and has prompted debate among legislators in the United States about whether the supremacy of the dollar as the world Reserve currency is at stake. Well, right now, it's kind of not. In June, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said Congress will eventually receive guidance from the United States Central Bank on issuing a CBDC. The Fed has been looking into the prospect since 2017. Quote, I think it's something we really need to explore as a country, he said. It's a very important potential financial innovation that will affect all Americans. Yeah, it will affect us poorly, it It will affect us poorly, and you don't want to have anything to do with these at one point, I keep thinking that the public of the world will just finally stand up and say no on a great many things but i'm losing i'm kind of losing hope a little bit on that although i ha I don't think I've seen the the true breaking point of a mass of human beings yet. nobody has because we've never been. We've never been informationally connected the way that we are now in this world than say World War One, World War Two, Civil War, American Revolution, you know anything like that. There's never been this level of of connectedness. So maybe that's what's bolstering the people around the world into not standing up and saying I can take a little bit more pain. So I don't know. I don't know when the dam breaks. You let me know when the dam breaks. And you send it to me through Boostagrams, which we'll read coming up. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. It's Boost Time. Pitar with Striper Boost says 50 sats a minute is the only way to stream. Well, <laughs> thank you, bro. Uh, letter. 6,173 with a striper boost. Best daily show and well worth the sats. Fatoshi with 5,000 says, on the historical context again, remember in the 50s when chemistry was awesome, you could get plastic from oil? I was just the zeitgeist. I bet the term organic or live barely existed back then. Totally agree regarding apathy and distraction, conditioning propaganda, brainwashing, etc. But back then, anything chemical was good. This is, he's actually true about that. Uh, let's return to the source of life. Listen to Saul Williams off to enjoy my live Greek yogurt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the fifties, it was a chemical boon and it was, I mean, Teflon, it was going to be great. You know, all these chemical fertilizers and pesticides and all kinds of shit for ag. It was great. We made, we built more organic chemistry in the 1950s than at any other time in history, including today, I believe. We were just putting carbon atoms together in the weirdest ways and coming up with all kinds of shit. And consequently, we polluted a lot. We polluted a lot. I mean, a lot of shit. Some of these chemistries are so lethal and so fucking scary and they're, they don't go away. Right? So... That's what he's saying about the 50s. Now, Fatoshi with another 5,000 boost. uh, Sap Boost says, can't tell you how much fun the boosts are. Sorry for trolling. About the food being dead piece, I love the literal analogy. If that makes sense, it does. However, I think the historical context is also interesting. I totally agree with your point, but I also think we were misguided, not just apathetic. We've only recently begun to understand or re-understand our relationship to the microbiome properly. E.g., an MRSA bug can't survive in nature; it's happy as a pig when in clean environments. Um, Yeah, talk about MRSA. Yes, the uh, he's right. It wasn't just apathy; it was a mix of apathy and just being lied to. But we were. We were becoming ap- you know, apathetic and it doesn't take long for somebody to say, see that dude, he's apathetic. Let's lie to him because he's just too distracted. So yes, they both go hand in hand. My good buddy Bubba gives me 5,000 sats says, we feed our dogs better than we feed ourselves. Iggy Pop said, now I want to be your dog. Seven <laughs> uh, One Thousand and One sats, uh, can I ask for a dox of your cat age, color, and size? No. User with a shit ton of numbers, 500 sats. Thank you, I appreciate that. And Jim Leahy, um, mowing the air, Rand, 150 sats. Don't know what that means. Those were the boosts from show or episode 626. Let me see if I got boosts from, oh, good Lord. You know what? No, I'm not gonna be able to do that because my neighbor has just started his car. I'm gonna let you go and I'll see you on the other side.